Well, I hope everybody come open, wide open, expecting, ready for anything, everything. Everybody come with that kind of heart? Yeah. Not really a limitation on these, these meetings. And, uh, you know, I always tell, when we do services like this, I tell our, our guest speakers, there's not a time limit. Except if you go too short, I'll be, too, I'll be annoyed. <laughs> I just figure, you know, you put, you, everyone comes out special, and, and this is a special week, and it's not something we do all the time, that I don't want anybody to get robbed. I don't want to get robbed. I don't want to get ripped off. I mean, time in the presence of the Lord is precious and valuable. And, uh, and, and so we just want to get whatever's right for tonight and every night. Amen? Praise God. If you have a Bible with you tonight, go with me to the book of Matthew. If you came, you're new here. Uh, you snuck into our conference. We're so glad you did. Even if all the things that we're doing are, are foreign to you, stick around and you'll become familiar. Uh, Matthew chapter 6. And the thing that was on my heart to to speak about tonight. It, the title's a little bit generic. You'll see as I go, but I've called it How to Experience God's Best. Now, in saying that, that, that could be a, several different messages. <laughs> you could go, right, preachers, you know, you could, I could do lots of different series on different subjects with that title. And, uh, and mine will be unique in, 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 in a sense that it's a little bit odd that I would, at the beginning of a uh, of a conference week, give a word that I'm going to give, you'll understand when I get there. <laughs> It'll make sense and we'll be happy at the end, I think. Uh, in Matthew chapter 6, we want to begin reading, uh, uh, where this is what we call the Lord's Prayer. Jesus uh, said here, beginning in verse 9, in this manner, therefore pray, our Father in heaven, Hallowed be your name. Is his name still holy? Yes. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, of course, the, the theme of our conference was a word the Lord gave me last year that we've extended on, and that is days of heaven. So this is a natural go-to scripture. When the Lord uh, told his disciples how to pray, and he used this language not just that God's will would be done, that would seem like a good prayer, sufficient in its quality, right? But he added the language on earth as it is in, in, in heaven, right? And so uh, there's a couple obvious things in that statement. One is that God's will is not automatically done on earth. Doesn't that seem obvious to you? It is very obvious, though it escapes the theology of some. It's very obvious from Jesus that the will of God is not always done, or, or we wouldn't say, he wouldn't say, pray that it would be. He would have just said, don't pray because it will be. Pray if you want, don't pray, it's irrelevant. God's will is going to be done. No, it's not always done, so he said to pray for it. Uh, the second thing I can see that stands out pretty obvious from this statement is that His will is done in heaven. Okay, Heaven contains the perfect will of God. Now, I mean, uh, most of us, if not all of us, look forward to heaven 
And some of the things we look forward to there is uh, the absence of all the junk and glories beyond our comprehension. Yeah, like we prayed earlier, you know, in His presence is fullness of joy, at His right hand are pleasures forevermore, and, 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 and some of the things we read about in the Scriptures about, in Revelation about heaven, uh, we try to paint a picture of that, and we try to imagine it, and, and we're not even scratching the surface, right? Uh, but we imagine this, these things, well, that's, a, that's not a bad idea, because that's the will of God. Everything you know about heaven uh, reveals the will of God in some level. But God's will is done in heaven, all right? The third thing I could see here that, again, seems pretty obvious to me is that the will of God on earth can be understood by the will of God in heaven. Because he said, pray that God's will would be done here like it is there. In other words, God doesn't have a separate will for earth and heaven. His will for heaven is His will for earth. Yeah? Everybody with me? So the more I look at heaven, the character, nature, the happenings, the environment of heaven, I can see, well, that's what God wants for us. That's what He wants for us here. Right? That, I, I mean, if His will is done perfectly there, and that's what it looks like, well, then that gives me a picture of what He wants in my life. Now, it's not being perfectly done here, but I know if it were to be perfectly done here, earth would look like heaven. If His will were fully happening on earth, my life would look like heaven. Some would say, you want to go to heaven? I'd say, I don't know, this is pretty good. (laughs) But because this is not a complete picture, a perfect picture of, of, of God's will, that's why we're saying, Lord, come quickly. <laughs> I can't wait to go to heaven, right? Uh, because there are some things here that are not, not right. But again, imagining the glories of heaven is a healthy thing. It helps us to, to know the character of our Father. It's the way th- He wants things to be in our lives. Now, what we don't want to do is, is we never want to confuse uh, what we must endure here with the will of God. Sometimes people are too quick to attribute what they're dealing with, going through, struggling with as being the will of God. And no, that's not the case. Again, what's the will of God? Look at heaven. Things that are happening here or maybe presently happening in your life that don't reflect that, they're not what God wants. All right? Uh, I think it, 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 it's helpful for us to remember that God's will is limited on earth because we live in a fallen world. Because we live in a fallen world, it, it requires necessary strength to overcome. We can't just avoid everything. Some things you can avoid, some things you have to overcome. Right? Say, so I don't want to overcome. Well, then undergo. <laughs> but if we want to be an overcomer, I have to, I have to get over something. I just, I'm, just, I'm just an overcoming person. What have you overcome? So we shouldn't think of ourselves as overcomers when everything's just going smooth if we haven't had any obstacles. 
I mean, thank God, don't pray for obstacles. <laughs> but if you're like most of us, they present themselves. We have plenty of opportunities to overcome things in life. But that's the nature of being here. This is some of what's different from earth and heaven. It doesn't mean it's God's will. That's God's will. But here, His, uh, us, part of us praying out His will gives us the power to overcome. Gives us the ability. You know, as it's been said, there's no testimony without a, a test. Now, I'm not praying for the test. I don't want the test. I, I, it's, it's, it's not something I'm seeking. But, but if they're going to show up anyway, I might as well learn how to overcome. I might as well learn how to pass the test. Praise God. Uh, you know, in heaven, for example, we will have no need to resist the devil. Is it the will of God that we have to deal with the devil? No, that's just a fact of this planet during this time. It's just a brief time when you think of eternity. We're just living in this little sliver. And during this time, there's a devil. He'll be locked up later, never to be heard from again. In this time, right here, right now, in order to experience the will of God, you have to resist the devil. That's just one of the things that's different from here in heaven. Uh, but the will of God really is ultimately the same. And so experiencing heaven then, uh, well, maybe I'm saying this too fast, but it, the way that we are going to experience it is by prioritizing and seeking the will of God. Okay, again, the prayer, pray His will would be done. When I make that my focus, my priority, then I get to experience that. Heaven or God's will. That would be similar. Okay? I, I focus on the will of God. Now, let me contrast this for, with you for a moment. Not just personal gain, even though that is personal gain. There is a real opportunity for us to uh, mangle our priorities and pursue the wrong things first and therefore limit our experience of, of God's best, okay? Now, if you consider heaven and the realities of heaven, the magnitude of heaven, uh, there's no doubt that God is an abundant God. When you find someone who paves their streets with gold, or maybe it's not even paved, maybe it's just solid, <laughs> you know he's not a miser you kind of get into the mentality of our Father. The way He thinks. Jesus talked about mansions. The way that God thinks is, is that. And so, uh, we know he, he, he's, he's not um, cheap, El Cheapo or anything like that. Earth is a mixture of what God wants, and, but sin is here. That's why you can never really look at earth and see God's perfect will. Okay, you can look at Jesus on earth, but aside from that, you don't see absolute perfection of everything God wants down here. You only see it there where sin doesn't exist, where there is no devil, where there is no intermingling. Okay, so when I say we seek the will of God, uh, there is a, a difference here in in prioritizing the principle or the general overarching concept of God's will above personal gain, even though the personal gain is part of God's will? 
I, I don't know if that makes sense. Uh, but, but someone might say, living in a nice house is better than living in a no house or a lesser house. Living in a nice house would be better. Agreed. Give me the option. Give me the nice one. Right? And it reflects the character of my father, so I'm taking it. If I have the ability to do it, bring it on. Okay? However, living in a nice house is better while doing the will of God. I'm saying that's where that, the weight is. Yes, it's better by itself, but you could be in the nice house and not be fulfilling your God-given design and purpose in life. And the nice house kind of loses its punch. You could be depressed in that house. You could have a marriage where you're at each other's throats in that house. You could have kids on drugs in that house. But you could have lots of issues and problems in the nice house. So that's why I'm saying the emphasis is... Is the will of God in my life really in anything, in any kind of circumstance? That's what I have to consider is better. If I have the presence of God working in my life, if it's real to me, if I experience this, that's what I have to want more than other things. That's what I have to pursue more than other things, right? That would be a reason for being here. That would be a, a proper and right heart in coming out to meetings like this for a whole week. Is I, I want the will of God. I want his purposes to be accomplished in my life. I want to be more conscious of his presence and know his voice. I want to be everything he designed that I be. When that heart is first, now you can enjoy the nice house. And even if you don't have a nice house, you're still pretty happy. You know what I'm talking about? Because some things just matter more. I, I'm saying going on vacation is better if you're going on vacation with God in your life. Amen. With Him in your life. Dinner tastes better if you're right with God. Because that's the will of God. That, that, that's his, that's, that was His ultimate design. He didn't just create people so they could eat and go on vacation and live in nice places. He created people to be with them. He wanted to hang out with us and spend time with us. And he wanted his presence to be the thing that, that, that fulfilled us. Then everything else is great, but it's secondary to that. Okay? Marriage is better when the presence of God is on your marriage and in your marriage. Your job is better when you're working for Jesus. Even if you're working for the man. <laughs> Doesn't matter if you got Jesus on you, if you got his presence working in your life and it's real to you. Some of you know this. You've ex you are or you have experienced at least doses, at least spurts of it. And and it's amazing what doesn't matter when 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 God's on you. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> I'm trying to think of where I was. I, I was somewhere not too long ago, and, the, and the, they were singing. It was, just, it was in a worship service. We were singing. The presence of God was so real. I, I, the words were like bad English in the song. I don't know if any of you have trouble with that, but I don't really like that. 
But I remember thinking, it crossed my mind for a moment, I don't care right now. And I thought, that's amazing. What's going on here? <laughs> and I tell you what it was. I can sense the I can sense the very presence of God, and some things just didn't really matter. How many of you you've ever been grumpy, grouchy, maybe tired, hungry, or just things have been piling up, things have been going wrong, and in that emotional state, in that condition, little things bug you all day long. You're mad at every driver, or every, let me say it right, every idiot on the street, <laughs> right? You're, you're angry at the city for closing off the road on the wrong day. You're, and every little thing, and you, and, and you can even, if you're in that state, you can even come to church and you're annoyed at this and that, and every little thing bugs you about people and things, and you're, you are almost like gifted, <laughs> right? You, you can find, you can discern people's problems. <laughs> but when you get in the presence of God, you don't understand what I mean by that. I understand He never leaves us. He is, in one sense, he's always, we're always in His presence. I'm, not, I'm not, not talking about Him coming and going from us, but I'm talking about being aware talking about his, the hand of the Lord being upon us in manifestation. It's amazing what doesn't matter. You become livable. You, you, you become livable with. I don't have to say that. Again. Really? 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 Mean people become nice. Angry people, they, they get peaceful. And that's why pursuing this, it's so much better, so much more than than a material gain. It's so much greater. And that's why we've got to say, this is first. This is best. This is what I want. I don't want to settle for a meager existence of material wealth. I mean, what, what a tragedy if you just, you know, had to settle for a life with an extra billion dollars, but didn't have the presence of God working in you. But you couldn't hold a marriage together. Kids hated you. You know, just you're angry at the world and everything's, uh, you're just bound by sin and temptation. That's not a good life. Now, if you got the presence of God and you're right with God, you're loving on the Lord, extra billion wouldn't hurt. <laughs> right? But I'm just saying in that context, in that order, that's what's really important. And there is a proper order to our pursuits. When you read this prayer, we only read a little bit, but you might notice that, that thy will be done comes before give us this day our daily bread. You will say, well, isn't it the Lord's will for our daily bread, if you were our provision? Yes, but he separated them. He separated them in the request. So obviously, thy will being done, he wasn't specifically speaking of abundance right there. So there's something higher contained in that, in that phrase. It's the will of God. It's his plan and his, his uh, purposes being established in our lives. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now, now let me read a couple verses to you. We'll just put them up. You don't have to turn. Uh, just considering the house of God. Psalm 84.10. Uh, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand. 
I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. See how that's pretty much saying what I'm saying? All right. Psalm 27, 4. One thing I have desired of the Lord that I will, that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. So he's elevating and magnifying that activity of dwelling with God. Dwelling in the house of the Lord. It's better than everything else. And then the very popular Matthew 6.33. Jesus said, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So the kingdom of God then is again separated from the things. There, again, listen, there is nothing wrong. We could do, go over scriptures galore and prayers and all these things. If you need a thing, you can seek after. You can ask the Lord for that thing. He wants to give you the thing. And that's biblical. I'm not saying that, that God doesn't care about your stuff. Yes, he does because he cares about you, right? But the priority is here. Seek first his kingdom, his rule, his dominion, the king's domain, right? Seek that, and then you get the other stuff along with it. Now, uh, here's where I'm going to get to the word that I was thrown out earlier that seem, might seem like an odd word. Okay. Not real celebratory is what I'm saying, but, but it will be. Uh, it's the S word. All right. <laughs> I can think of a lot of S words. <laughs> um, I recently, and I did it for this purpose, but I read every New Testament reference to suffering. That's the word. Now you see? Oh, oh. got to go. Uh, suffering, suffer, suffered, and read every New Testament word. Uh, let me tell you what I've what I've concluded. Some of this I knew, but I wanted to make sure I'm not uh, misunderstanding or misinterpreting or, or reading my own theology into the Scripture, because it's a word that gets really hacked a lot. <laughs> it can really be twisted into meaning something it doesn't. The, the, the vast majority of the usages of that word either refer to Jesus suffering on the cross, or they refer to Christians suffering for the gospel's sake. In other words, I preach the gospel and someone attacks me in some way for, for, for doing that. Okay? Those are the, by far the vast majority of the scriptures that I read. Uh, one mistake people make is lumping all types of suffering together. And then when they read scriptures about suffering, they mix them all up. And no matter what someone is suffering in their life, they say, see, there's all, all kinds of scriptures. And Paul suffered, and the different apostles suffered, and Jesus suffered, and now you're suffering. And it's like, you didn't really just do that, did you? <laughs> you really just mixed all those scriptures up just because they use the same word? And the context is, is king, and it totally interprets what's being said. So when we say suffering, you have to understand, suffering a disease is way different than Jesus suffering on the cross. 
suffering depression, mental anguish, is way different than someone suffering for Christ, for the gospel's sake, or suffering poverty and lack, or homelessness, or, or these type of things. That's an entirely different subject than most of the suffering that is referenced in the New Testament, and anything that is, that is related to the will of God. Everybody with me? Okay. And so... Uh, in, in, in looking at this, I thought, well, uh, what, in what way is suffering spoken of that I have to really deal with? That I have to accept, embrace, not run from, but actually feel it? How many don't really want to know the answer? <laughs> uh, moving along. Let's talk about Jesus suffering for us. <laughs> but I, I, I saw a, a few things, and um, one of them has, how many believe Christians, uh, the, one of the most important things we should know is the L word, love, right? That ought to be, that's the hallmark. I mean, Jesus said, they're going to know you're my disciples because of your love for one another. Love is one of the biggest things, yet when we read about love, in the most famous description in 1 Corinthians 13, the very first thing that's said about it is 1 Corinthians, go ahead and put it up. <laughs> Timing is everything. It's all about the punch. Is <laughs> what we read in this passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 in verse 4, <laughs> where it says, love suffers. <laughs> Is that what it says? It is not even helped when it says, by giving it a length. <laughs> love suffers, not for a minute. Love suffers long and is kind. That's not talking about Jesus on the cross, per se. It's not talking about his suffering as for our sins. It's not talking about persecution kind of suffering. It's called love suffering. What? And if I'm required to, supposed to walk in love and be filled with love and treat other people with love, and the first thing that it says is love suffers, yikes. But i got to deal with this. Someone said, well, that doesn't really mean suffering because other translations say endure. Love endures and is patient. Okay. I, I don't disagree with those, that translation. That's a good word, too. But Really? If you go ahead and use the word endure and put it into different contexts. Like, I'm enduring this cookies and cream shake. Pray for me that I'll endure all the way to the end. I'm doing this for you, Lord. <laughs> because love endures. No. Or... <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm enduring a good back massage from my wife. <laughs> you all just have sympathy with me and compassion while I endure this. No, I say, let that run long. Right? <laughs> let the milkshake be tall. Let the back rub be long. So when I think about whether you use the word endure or suffers long, I know it's some kind of unpleasant event that rises up why I must endure or suffer for a long time. 
We're talking about dealing with people. We're talking about adverse circumstances and situations. Um, you might be familiar uh, with, well, I'll, we'll go ahead and put this one up, or you want to turn to it. Why, why don't you turn to it? Don't put it up. <laughs> go, go to Psalm 15, if you would. It's a, there's a part of this that is pretty familiar, but it won't hurt to, to look at it. Psalm 15. This is, if you read from the first verse, you can see it talks about a person in the presence of God, in essence, depending on your translation, and a, basically a person who's close to God. And it says in verse 4, in whose eyes a vile person is despised. That's an interesting statement right there. Someone who's close to God and how do they view vile people? They're despised. That doesn't mean you can't, you can't love someone. It can't mean you can't show someone love. But do you have respect for vile people? We're not supposed to. That can become a, an issue in our culture where we idolize certain professions and certain celebrity status and we hold certain people in high, real high esteem when sometimes they're so ungodly and yet we revere them and look up to them. You can appreciate someone's talent. You can appreciate some different things someone does well. But too many of our role models in our society, in our country, are so ungodly. And we're just like, ooh, ah. And we pay money to go to their things, and you know, and, and eh, I'm not sure that's, that's what we're supposed to do. I think when we're really close to God, we see things clearly. And we make a distinction. There came a, there came a time in, in, in my life, and it was, you know, a long time ago, Pastor Mickey might remember the, the things I used, to, I used to listen to when we first got to Bible college. And, <laughs> and uh, he, he's doing his uh, little kick over there for, <laughs> you know, that guy. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I was a believer, but I was growing in the Lord real good. And, uh, but a lot of the music I listened to was totally anti-God. I know some people say it's no big deal. That's what I used to say. <laughs> I did, and I'd make excuses all day long. And why it doesn't bother me and, and all this kind of stuff. And at one point I stopped li listening to the real demonic stuff that was blatant. And I thought, ah, that grieves me. Ah, but I still listen to other stuff. And, and then it wasn't but a couple weeks into, I'm, I'm, all, I'm in Bible school now. I'm preparing for ministry. No one told me to do anything. But I had this big case of cassette tapes. Remember those? <laughs> I was into retro stuff. <laughs> no, that was, no, CDs were just barely out, <laughs> honestly, during this time. But, but one day I just got, I'm like, you know what? I'm pursuing God. I want Him. I don't even want this anymore because I, I stopped listening to it. And uh, yeah, I felt a little bit with how much money I spent on all of it. Because back then you didn't like pay subscription, you bought things, and it was kind of expensive for young people. And, uh, but I put it all in a trash bag, and I kept the case <laughs> in a trash bag and went and threw it in the dumpster. 
And uh, why did no one told me to do that? I just knew that that's incompatible with who I am and my walk with God now. It's just not gonna. We just don't work together anymore. And so I just decided to do that. Are you? Should you do that? I don't know. But how close are you to God? Just let Him deal with you. You don't have to follow someone else's exact timing and everything they did. You don't, I'm not here to condemn you over anything you, you listen to or watch, but I, I just see in here when a person walks close with the Lord and they're spending time in God's presence, it won't be too long until certain parts of your life have to go. They, you, they, they just don't mix anymore. They're incompatible. It's like, it's like chicken and ketchup. <laughs> Some things are just ungodly. <laughs> Come on, say amen. amen. See that, Wendy? <laughs> the church agrees. We have unity. <laughs> oh, her, they're my kids' cousins. You know, you've heard of them, the Hockadays. They put ketchup on everything. Ketchup is limited in its usage. <laughs> Cheeseburgers, French fries, onion rings. That's about it. All right. Stay with the word here. In the, when you get close to the Lord, in the presence of God, some things are just not going to jive with that. So you follow your own heart and do what you want. I would say, don't, you don't have to go looking for things that are wrong. Go looking for Him. Amen. Spend time with Him. Be in His presence. Say, oh, Lord, I want you and nothing else but you, and I want you to change me. And then when they crop up, you'll see, and you'll start, you'll start despising certain things. And certain people that you idolized, you'll go, eh, I'm taking their poster down if people still put posters up <laughs> or whatever. I'm unfollowing their Instagram or whatever because you know what they stand for, the things they do, the, the pictures they take of themselves. It's like, bleh. In whose eyes a vile person is despised, but he honors those who fear the Lord. How many know we should look for good role models? Come on. We should look for those who are serving God. They don't have to be famous either. They can be people that live in your house. People that live, that go to church with you. People you work with. But people who have a good relationship with God, honor them. Show respect to them. Look up to them and follow in their ways. He who swears to his own hurt and does not change. We're back to suffering again. All right. People who are close to God, if they tell someone they, they will do something, if they make a commitment... And it turns out that they, something else comes up or it's going to cost them in some way. They value their word and their commitments above inconvenience. What is that? That's a form of suffering. That's a form of I'm going to take this one on the chin because I told them I would be there for them. How many think so, some people need to hear that? Is it someone else or is it you? <laughs> I think, it's, I think it's all of us. We need to, need to know how, how people who are close to God act. If you're one who always goes back on your word and, and no one can count on you and, and uh, you're, a, you're a sign up but don't show up kind of person, 
Time to work on your prayer life. Time to spend some time with the Lord. Here's what the Passion Translation reads. They make firm commitments and, and follow through even at great cost. Even at great cost. That, that's the pain thing. And so, and, and so think about this love suffering. It has to do with sometimes putting up with people in their immaturity. That's painful. But that's what we do. It has to do with staying in your place even if, if others treat you wrong. Well, this person said this to me and they did this to me. I'm out of here. You know, I'm out of here. The t-shirt be a t-shirt. Why? Because they did, well, no, love suffers through that. Because that happens in real life. That happens to good people. people they're, they're treated wrong sometimes. You ever been treated wrong? I've been treated wrong. Unfortunate thing is I've treated people wrong before. Yikes. But let's grow up and, and be better. Okay. Uh, you're going to need this long-suffering thing if, if you're married and you're going to stay, stay married. What? If you're going to comment, you have to do loud enough for me to hear. Except us. Because you don't suffer. I mean, we don't suffer. <laughs> I'm just saying, anyone can stay married for a minute. Anyone can love someone else for a minute. Or a year or two, you know what I'm talking about? But if you're going to stay in things for the long term, you have to have this suffering working in your life. If you're going to stay in the will of God, and there is a will of God for all of our lives, if you're going to do the will of God and stay in God's plan, you're going to have to suffer long. What do you mean suffer long? With cancer? No, that's not what he's talking about. Suffer with poverty? No. Suffer being depressed? Absolutely not. No room for any of that in the will of God. But I'm talking about putting up with people, talking about doing things that sometimes are uncomfortable, but not doing them for a minute. Amen. I've been committed to this church for five years. You're in kindergarten. Come on. Now, I, don't mean that, I don't mean that as a rebuke, but talk to me when you've been here 50. Say, well, we haven't been around 50. I know, but, you know, I appreciate... Uh, uh, Amy's uh, grandmother, who's 93, and she's been in her church for like 70 years. How, how many know over 70 years you've run into a few obstacles <laughs> with people or policies or what something you didn't like or things that didn't go? You've been all through the life of a church. And I just think, that's admirable. In what we, well, in many ways, but one, I would say, at least in some degree, she has suffered long <laughs> with different people or circumstances. And that's how you stay in the will of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Some people can stay fired up for a few months. 
Some can stay fired up for a few years. But who can stay fired up for God for decades? Uh, who's excited for the things of God today? And if we didn't, you know, if we fast forward it 20 years from now, 30 years from now, we'd say, wow, you're still, you're still the same in that way. You still love God. You still worship. You still pray. You, you're still excited about the things of God. That's the kind of person I want to be. Come on. I don't want to be one of this up and down and, well, we haven't seen them for years. I want this long-suffering thing to work in me. It's not 24-7 suffering. It's just at different stages in life and different circumstances we learn to take it and say, but I'm staying in the game. Amen. Praise God. Another kind of, kind of suffering, let me just give you a few, I'll, I'll speak you know, shorter about these things, but uh, suffering that's necessary, that's essential for us. One of them has to do with submitting our will to the will of God. Really submitting our will to the will of another, but ultimately to God. Uh, the greatest example of that is Jesus himself. When he was, before he went to the cross, he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he prayed for those hours and sweat as like drops of blood. And the, we're, we get a recording of the gist of what he was praying. And it's Luke twenty-two forty-two, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Let me know that cup. That was the cross. <laughs> uh, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. You, you see, Jesus' suffering didn't begin on the cross. Jesus' suffering began when he said, this is what I feel like doing right now. <laughs> I'm thinking, can we save these guys some other way? But I'm taking what I want, what, I, what my will is, and I'm putting it under the will of the Father. And saying, I want this, but my will is secondary. Your will be done in my life. This is a necessary suffering. So I don't think I've ever suffered that way. Well, again, I believe if you'll walk closely with the Lord, that'll happen. Not to the same measure of Jesus, because we don't have to go to the cross. We don't have to die for the sin of the world. But the will of God for me sometimes requires me to do uncomfortable things. Where I don't really want to. I've had quite a few of those in my life. Where I thought, I mean, I didn't always tell everybody. But inside, I thought, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. This is not fun. This is not comfortable. I don't like it. I don't really want to do this. But I know I'm supposed to. I'm going to do it. And it's a, so many times what happens at the end result of that is, I'm so glad I did that. Yeah. I mean, I'm just, I'm thankful I did it. It was uncomfortable, but I did it anyway, and I'm glad I did. I got to experience God. I got to grow. I have got to see other people helped. There was just benefit on all sides. How many think Jesus was thankful that he <laughs> did the will of God? And now he's got a body. Yeah. Now people are being saved by the, by the droves every day because of his... His, because of his suffering. And so there's times, you know, even enduring temptation, overcoming temptation is a form of suffering. You're tempted to do something wrong. And you say, I'm not going to do it. And you get up and you get out of there. You put your mind on something else. You go somewhere else. You do something different. I'm not going to fall for that. I'm not going to do it. That's suffering. Your flesh is going, ah, I want it. I want it. I want to do this. And you say, no, you suffered. And you, and you were greatly benefited as a, as a result of that suffering. Uh, another related one, 
Again, necessary suffering is called disciplining the body. Anybody here have a body? <laughs> disciplining the body. This is what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9.27. But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. So, that, so the picture here, again, is, is that Paul is not a body, but he said, I have a body. You're not a body. I'm not a body. We are spirit beings that live in a body. And because we are, you'll find your body sometimes gets tired, gets hungry. Well, it always does that pretty regularly. <laughs> but sometimes it, it, your body will want to do more than it needs. And your body sometimes is tempted to do wrong things. And we have to discipline it. The picture there is like the boxer. If you read the context there, it's like a boxer punching himself. He said, I'm going to I'm going to beat myself black and blue. You read the Greek word there. I'm going to punch myself and beat myself black and blue. Now, he's not literally doing that. I mean, no, that's not a good idea. People, self-harm is not godly. It was the demoniac in the cave who was cutting himself. Right? That, that's demonic in nature. But he's saying, I'm just, he's saying, I'm rough with myself. I'm rough with my own body and with the things that it wants to do. I will not let it dominate I will suffer in that regard so that when I'm done, I won't be disqualified. Anyone ever been disqualified from a sporting event? <laughs> You're on the bench. What are you doing? I was disqualified. Maybe the umpire threw you out or somehow you broke a rule. This is really true for, for ministry and God using us to the fullest extent of our calling. It requires us at times to not sleep when we're tired to not eat when we're hungry. Come on. It requires us to pray when we don't feel like it. It requires us at times to go to church when we really don't want to. I can just watch it online. Right? But sometimes you say, I'm grabbing my body. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> you are going. Yeah? This is some of the suffering that all of us need a bit of in life. Um, sometimes we suffer, or we need to suffer, be, by having convictions, by sticking to our convictions. Uh, and I realize some of that's a little bit subjective. Um, if, it's not if it's in the Word, but other things are. For example, we all know people, and, may, and maybe some of you, but I know lots of people uh, over the last couple of years that have had to suffer because of their conviction about taking that shot. And people have lost their job over it. I know people who wanted to come to this conference, but they live north of the border. You know, the communist state of Canada. <laughs> we love the Canadians. But literally, because of their status or something, they are not able to go back and forth. And, and, uh, and some have, one minister said, I was going to be there, but because of this, we're not able to come because of that. Well, that's a a suffering because of his personal conviction, which if you have convictions about things, you know, if they're, if they're the right thing to be convicted of on, then you stand. But you have to be willing to take it for that stance. And sometimes we do. I mentioned earlier uh, that I said a lot of the scriptures in the New Testament were about this, but suffering that's necessary or required, it's called persecution for the gospel persecution for the gospel. Let me give you a couple scriptures on that. I'll read them to you uh, just uh, for time's sake. 1 Peter 4.19, 
Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to Him in doing good as to a faithful Creator. See, this is one of the verses, if people twist it, they say, see, sometimes we're suffering according to Sometimes we're suffering according to the will of God. To the will of God. Well, what kind of suffering is that? Well, that's talking about st- taking a stand for Christ. All right. Jesus said in Matthew 5:11, "Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake." When someone does that to you, what did the Lord say about you? Blessed. You're blessed. So I want to be blessed. Lord, I'm just praying for your blessings. Lord, may your blessings be upon me. This is one of the ways it happens. Right? You're a real Christian. You stand up for what is right and what is true. And sometimes people will come out against you. In some parts of the country, they might kill you. Right? But other times, it's, it's lesser types of persecution. But if it happens, we're blessed. I, I like this one. Uh, This scripture from 1 Peter 4 and verse 14, which reads, If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part he's blasphemed, but on your part he is glorified. Come on, how many many of us want the spirit of, of glory and of God to rest on us? Man, I want that. He said, this is when it happens, when you're reproached for the name of Christ. So again, I'm not trying to, I don't want to stir that up. (laughs) I don't want anyone attacking me. I don't want anyone doing anything anything to harm me. But if it's for that reason, and if it hurts in some way, emotionally, physically, whatever, if it hurts, here's our right response. Step back and say, the Spirit of God, Spirit of glory and of God is upon me now. Amen. Amen. One thing I want to challenge you in tonight is that you don't suffer unnecessarily. There are some elements, and we could probably make this into a series, but we won't. There's some elements about suffering that are necessary. But there's also some suffering that happens unnecessarily. And I don't want to suffer needlessly. There's different things I could say about this, but some are suffering hardships due to their lack of proper pursuits. They have misordered their lives. And I'm going back to the beginning again here now. Okay? When the Lord said, pray the will of God would be done. Here. The will of God in your life. His will is, is, is primary. It's preeminent. More important than anything. If I don't seek the will of God, if that's not my highest pursuit, if I don't want that above everything else, like Jesus, remember, He said, I don't do anything except my Father tells me. I'm only saying what He says. I'm not doing anything except for what He, he shows me, what I see Him do. That's, what, that's the way Jesus lived. And if we could adapt that commitment... That dedication to the will of God is higher and better and above all else, then we're less likely to suffer as a result of not doing that. In other words, misordering our lives, wanting something good, but just wanting it too much or wanting it out of order. 
Everybody with me today? Sometimes, sometimes you see in, in believers' lives when they, they go from a, pl- a level of, uh, let's say, uh, you know, financial condition to a higher level, you know, in its, in its essence, I'm celebrating anyone who makes more money or is blessed in that way. It's like, praise God, good for you, go for it. But uh, you, you become concerned when you see someone, they get promoted or they get blessed in, in some way, and then their, their church involvement goes way down. Because they're, they're, you know, footloose, fancy free. They're ready to roam and travel. And, and they got, in other words, they have the, they have the ability to, to be gone all the time. Because they have the money to do so. In one sense, I'm like, praise God, celebrate. Yeah, you're blessed of the Lord. But then I wonder, is that really what that was for? I mean, God wants you to be blessed, but does he want you to be blessed and now his kingdom is second or third or fourth? We're used to serve, but now you're jetting from island to island or something or mountaintop to mountaintop and, and you got all this time and extra money and, you're, and the things of God are less. I really believe it's only a matter of time. It's, it kind of sneaks up on you. But remember, life is better in the, on the beach. On one level, I agree. <laughs> but here, life is better on the beach with God. Life is better in a big house. Oh, yeah, if the Lord's present. In your marriage and in your home and in your work and in your... That's what we seek above all else. And if we have to give that up to get something else, it's not worth it. But if we can have the presence of God prioritized and His will done in our lives prioritized, oh, then let the blessings flow. Come on, let Him flow in all areas of life. If someone interprets that by saying, yeah, that's why the Lord's holding me back because He just knows if, if I get too, much, too many blessings that I won't be in church anymore. That's not correct. If, he, if that's what he did for you, why didn't he do that for everybody else? He'll give you the stuff. He'll, he'll, he'll allow you to have the blessing, and then it's on you to, to still do the right thing. It's not holding it back. Hallelujah. Are there things that you presently know, or maybe the Lord deals with you this week, things to do, you know, maybe me dumping out the, the music all those years ago, if I hadn't done that, I might have been held back internally. I might not have experienced God in levels that I did. If the Lord is dealing with you about anything and you blow it off, what are you giving up? What, in what way will you potentially suffer by absence of God's best? Say, I don't even know that it feels like suffering. Well, comparatively, that's some of the, some of the deception. Well, everything's fine, but how much better could it be? And that's where we have to trust the Lord in and how He deals with us. You might recall the famous account of the ten plagues of Egypt. And of all those plagues, you remember one of them was the frogs. Right? Frogs. You might like frogs until they end up in your kitchen. Yeah. And in your soup. 
But they had, the plague was frogs, not just in the rivers, but frogs everywhere. It was a real, uh, a real curse. And when Moses went to Pharaoh, I'll read it to you, Exodus 8 9, and Moses said to Pharaoh, accept the honor of saying, when I shall intercede for you, for your servants and for your people to destroy the frogs from you and your houses, that they may remain in the river only. So he said, tomorrow. And he said, let it be according to your word that you may know that there is no one like the Lord our God. Does that sound, sound to you, stand out at all as dumb? <laughs> You're suffering with these frogs. And he said, okay, I'll pray for you that they leave. When do you want me to do that? Well, <laughs> tomorrow. How many think a smart person says, uh, let's get down and pray. I'll pray with you now. And as dumb as that was in Pharaoh, putting off the Lord's deliverance, setting him free from that curse. I wonder if we're ever that dumb. It might not be with frogs. But it might be some other thing that the Lord is dealing with us about. And we've just been putting it off. I'm going to get to that. It's like, why do today what you could put off till tomorrow? <laughs> it's the motto they live by. And good things that could be in their life, they're pushed off till another day. And if the Lord has dealt with you, and maybe you've put it off repeatedly, Is it time? Is it time to say, well, I've been praying the Lord's will in my life, and I've been thinking healing, joy, prosperity. I've been thinking the will of God. That's what I want, your will. Your will is not only what he can do for you, and his will is not only what he can do for you in those areas. His will is whatever he's dealing with you about. Something you're doing or not doing. Amen. Or just drawing close to Him. It could be a number of things. I don't want to uh, tell you what that, what that always is. But the will of God for your life must be pursued first and foremost. If we put it off, are we just, you know, living another day with the frogs? When the Lord has given us the opportunity to be free. I want to challenge you not to put off doing the will of God. Don't put off receiving the will of God. Your future is contingent on the commitments that you make today. Amen. A friend of mine, a uh, pastor friend of mine, uh, Chuck Ford, said this recently. He said, uh, what if this is the last day that God deals with you about something? When he said that, I thought, yikes. I thought, that's a real possibility. Remember in Genesis when the scripture says, hey, my, my spirit will not, will not always strive with man, but his days will be 120 years on the earth. 
In other words, God doesn't deal with people forever. In the book of Revelation, it talks about giving that woman space to repent. The Lord was going to give her time. There's a, there's a window here. He's merciful and kind. So you've got a little window to change things, to repent. What happens when that time expires? Man, that's a scary thought. What if the Lord's been dealing with me and I've been saying, yeah, I'm going to do that one of these days. Someday I'm, what if he's done? What if I don't realize I'm past the window and he's just not going to talk to me about it anymore? Am I to think, oh, man, dodged a bullet there. I didn't have to do it. He's not even saying anything to me. Or, or maybe that means my heart got calloused. Maybe, maybe that means I've hardened myself in some way and, and, and so he's done dealing with me about it. I don't want to be in that position. See, see the Lord's very merciful, but, but don't take advantage of that. Don't say, Lord, I know you're merciful, so I'm just going to go on doing this goofy stuff year after year. I think we should say, thank you, Lord, for dealing with me. Man, I've been goofing around too long. I'm not going to live any, any longer with the frogs. Here's the thing. Whenever the Lord gives a word to any of us, a word from the book, a word by His Spirit, when we believe that word, and when we act on that word, it becomes a stepping stone into God's greater grace. And so some of what we're giving up, we don't realize. You think, oh, this is suffering. This is painful. This is going to take some, take some of my time. This is going to take some of my effort, some of my money. This is going to cost me in some way if I do this. But if I don't do it, See, we think this is going to hurt. No, this is going to hurt. This is going to hurt for a second. And then the reaping from what you've sowed of your faith and your time and your commitment to God produces greater grace than you've ever known before. And the Lord does this sometimes because He's got something planned. Listen, listen now. Listen to the Spirit of the Lord inside of you. The reason He deals with us about changes to make, new commitments to make, things that we should cut off, is not out of condemnation. It is not because he's trying to drive us down, but because he has a greater plan, because he has something more. He has a promotion. He has an increase. He has a greater grace that he wants to establish in your life. And so he's giving you a pathway to enter into it. It's not all God in the sense of making it happen. It's God who calls and it's God who graces us. But it's also God who gives us the word to show us how to get there. If we don't follow that plan and take that step of faith, we don't ever enter into the fullness of what He wants. Hallelujah. Oh, the Lord is good. Amen. Father, I thank You for working in here right now.